welcome to the AFR Ratings Podcast, Round 7 Wrap. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryans, who on ABC Radio just called a fantastic finish uh, between Collingwood and Adelaide. Thanks for having me, Pete. I've just some, still got a little bit of my voice left, so <laughs> happy to get through this, because that was an amazing game. Yeah, what an exactly what an amazing comeback by Collingwood again. Uh, you did call throughout the broadcast that you know Adelaide should have put them all, put them away in the first quarter, and they obviously uh, completely outplayed Collingwood, and they make pies off a short break as well. Uh, you can't forget there, but eventually you know Collingwood uh, grinding them down in the second quarter onwards, and eventually finding a lead in the final minute. Yeah, the pies just looked lethargic early, and, and Adelaide were. Just barnstorming. They, they were incredible with their ball movement. Their inside 50 entries were great, and they kept having one over the top with their counters, and it, it felt like it was their game to lose, but they were just so inaccurate in front of goal. They were really the missed opportunities. I mean, they, they finished the game 7-16, uh, and, and they'll be really deflated by it. We spoke to Riley O'Brien. He said it was the most heartbreaking loss he's ever been in, and you know they're 4-3, and three and their season's well and truly alive, but they should have won this one. And, and Collingwood, I just... I don't understand how they keep doing it. It was amazing to, to watch that comeback. Astonishing just the way they, they turned it on. And, you know, that belief is there. We spoke to Steel Sidebottom, and they always feel like they're in the game. You know, they were down by 26 points was the highest margin midway through the second term, and they just kept peppering away. And then in the final term, they completely took over in the middle, and uh, it felt like Adelaide were just inaccurate. They kept turning the ball over, and, and Collingwood just took their chances, and um, you know, side bottom with the miss gave Adelaide one last roll of the dice, but they just couldn't get it done in the end. I think Rochelle did absolutely everything he possibly could to to try and get them there, but um, his keep probably just needed a little bit more weight to try and give them that last crack. Yeah, Collingwood Fitness Program has really got to come into uh, consideration now because obviously they've been doing this now for quite a while. Uh, the Crows, I get, I thought the Crows were solid. They were good enough, and you know, in that round one game against GWS, they were solid early. They were really good, and they were up a very good preseason under Darren Burgess again, um, and they've been right in game. So, as, and I've been, I've said on this pod uh, with you previously, I'm bullish on what the Crows can do this year, and obviously they they pretty much kicked one out at the door for for a win today, but they were very solid again. So let's talk some a couple of plays here. So Rory Laird played reasonably. Well well, despite an interrupted week on the track. Yeah, he actually looked all right, to be honest. Um, we spoke to Tim Sewers on Saturday. He said he should be good to go after the captain's run, but there was still some hesitancy. He hadn't come out for the warm-ups, and he weren't really sure if there was going to be a late change when Crouch and Schomburg were held over, but he looked unfazed. Uh, and there was that little late scare. I mean, um, we were obviously calling here, but I feel my mates told me that the television broadcaster thought he may have been subbed off, and I imagine there was a few fantasy punters with hearts in their mouths. But... Um, yeah, he, he looked fine. Um, and I guess more impressively is, as we've touched on a few times across the podcast, he can be a little handball-heavy and rely on his tackles, but it was more of an all-rounded performance today, and um, he did lead the charge at times and, and got a nice little couple of plus sixes late. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked his performance. The Crows didn't let Nick Dacos run free throughout that game for sure. Yeah, I think early on, Ben Keyes obviously went to him and, and kind of forced him to play out of the defensive goal square, so most of his stats were coming from kick-ins, but they, they let it go by the end of the game, and, and he really took over alongside Josh. And um, Yeah, Nick's, Nick's just an incredible player. The two of them combined are, are so versatile. They were playing all around the ground. I think Josh was arguably more inside mid this you know this game, and, and Nick was certainly more at the bookends, but... Um, they're just so dangerous. And, yeah, Ben Keys, I thought, actually did a pretty reasonable job early, but they ultimately switched him to Dugowie, who was having some more impact. And 
and that probably was the right call because I think Jordan Degoe won it for them in the latter stages for Collingwood. So, you know, Keyes trying to shut him down was probably the right move. Yeah, it's remarkable to think, you know, how young Nick Dacos is and obviously his brother there as well. Collingwood have got a decade plus of this upcoming. Yeah, and he's just, you know, underpriced. You know, you're talking about a player that's still on a rookie contract. So Collingwood are getting a million dollar star for nothing right now. So um, it certainly makes, you know, the Trelaw move look a lot better because even though they are playing, paying, you know, Grundy and Trelaw at other clubs, you know, that money could arguably be going to Dacos. So I think they're all right. Yeah, and the, one, the other player, speaking about trades, to come into the Collingwood, and, and just this last off-season is Tom Mitchell. So he leaves Hawthorne, who are struggling this year, and he goes into a, almost a perfect situation. So Craig McRae is using him like, like his, his tools correctly. He's an inside mid and extractor and getting that ball out and strong contested numbers from him again. And now he's an important cog of that Collingwood midfield. Yeah, this was one of the better games I'd seen of Tom Mitchell. He'd been obviously rotating between the middle and half forward across the 2023 season, and um, he was definitely more on the guts today and, and almost started a lot of their chains and score involvements, you know, was high for him. So uh, I was really impressed. It felt like the Tom Mitchell of old, the Brownlow medalist, um, mm. which is great to see. You know, he can find the footy when he really wants to, and he's given that free reign, and we certainly saw that tonight. Let's get on to a fantasy rep from Adelaide and Collingwood. So 116 points from Jordan Dawson, solid numbers again, and pretty comfortable for those that own him. Yeah, very reliable. Uh, I think he, he's easily a top six defender, if not top two, um, and just continues to you know do it quite comfortably. He's easily getting you know 28 plus touches a game at 30 tonight. His marks were actually quite low, which is um, you know impressive considering he got to 112 points. So um, yeah, Jordan Dawson set and forget. Uh, Rory led there 110 points, as we discussed, and interrupted week on the training track, but quite solid. And for those that own him, you know, obviously uh, there were considerations there for potential trade at some stage over the weekend, but he set, settles in there quite nicely. But it's still one to monitor news throughout the week, obviously. Yeah, I think now we've seen over the past fortnight that he's probably levelled out, and he's still going to be one of the best midfielders in the game, and every now and again he may give you an 80, but uh, I wouldn't be trading him or, or moving him or sideways trading him. I think he, he's a guy that will be there by the end of the year unless something dramatic happens. So you just got to ride the wave now. You know, he's, he's lost enough money that he's pretty much balanced out at the 900k mark, and, and that's it, you know, you know, just enjoy enjoy the fun because he's going to have some monster scores across the year and to get 110 when he you know had not only the calf concern but the knee knock the week prior um, just shows how much of a workhorse he is. 100 points from Tom Mitchell and it just seems like that's around about his mark now is between 95 and 105 so he settled down the last few weeks obviously settled into his midfield role there at Collingwood but you know a high usage inside midfield is is what is required for fantasy so you know, at 100 points, it's okay, but, you know, obviously Scott Pendlewood didn't play today, and they, they change up that midfield there as well. So that's the risk you take on board. I think you've nailed that. But, yeah, Pendles comes back in, and Mitchell again gets more half-forward rotation and, and probably ends up with, you know, 80 to 100. And my mantra this season is is if you're upgrading, you're upgrading to a guy you want to keep to the end. And I think Tom Mitchell's still a little bit of a mid-pricer in a way, like he's obviously that upper echelon, but... I don't think he's the guy you have at the end of the season. So he's just, you know, that awkwardly priced. He's not pulling massive scores. He's not under-delivering either, but he's just, you know, doing his thing. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be rushing to get Tom Mitchell after tonight. Yeah, and the and next one here is, is the baseline for Nick Dacos is probably 96 points, and that's what he scored today. So a little bit of attention there. Um, not so much heavy usage 
uh, early, but you know he gets a lot of free ball from kick-ins, and that's exactly what you want from a fantasy perspective. So his baseline is is that, and you know obviously he can have a high ceiling as what we have seen this year. Yeah, and it was really wet and highly contested, so you know his mark counts a little low as well. And and as I touched on that that first term, he was relatively quiet. So I think you know it's his first score under 100 obviously this year, but he's he's in a good space. Like again, a set and forget defender alongside Dawson, you'd love them as your one and two. And and now Doherty's back, you know that. You know, the premium choices are, are pretty elite. So, yeah, Nick Dacos, another good game. Yeah, Nick Dacos, certainly captain or vice-captain option there throughout the season for sure. So next one here, a good rebound from uh, last week's low score, Chase Jones, so 90 points. So, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride. It could be low one week and high, but, you know, good response from Chase Jones, and he scores 90 points. It's a reasonable game from him too. Yeah, hopefully not many, pe- uh, not many people traded him out after last week's performance at home in Tasmania. We kind of thought, you know, he'd make a fair bit of money there. Obviously, he's still a bit of value now with the 90, but some may have missed out. Um, I, I really like his role, and, you know, he, he should have had 100. He had a couple of shots that he missed late. Mm. Um, he's really imposing across half forward and the wing. So, um, yeah, I don't mind him. I, I still think he's he's worth a look in if you're looking for that kind of stepping stone to get to a premium defender. Um, but... Yeah, unfortunately, you may have every now and again those 40 scores. <laughs> Next one here, Josh Rochelle. could have been a monster day for Rochelle, so he he's inaccurate in front of goals, scores 79 points. Uh, just the 18 disposals, but, you know, a bit, again, a quiet second half. So I don't think there's any issues there with regards to his fitness. But, yeah, he's got still got heavy usage throughout that midfield. Uh, for me, it's still, it's still one that I am looking at to target. Yeah, I love Rochelle. I've got him in at my F6, had him the past couple of weeks, and you nailed it. Same as Chase Jones, the four behinds, all of them could have been goals, and he could easily be looking at you know, 110, 120. He's, he's getting midfield minutes, he finds the footy around the ground, and he's a threat. Um, and today, unfortunately, in the wet, he just wasn't accurate enough, and that means that he has a lower score of 79. But when you look at the forward landscape right now, you know, getting 80 is pretty good. So, so you know, you can have it's premiums that are up and down. Really. Yeah, so I, I think for his price, he, he's really good value. Okay, let's move on to a, a round seven fantasy wrap. So just notable scores here. Monster score from uh, Rowan Marshall, 159 points. And just that mismatch, and once he gets into that sort of situation, he's looking at a high ceiling game. Yeah, I loved his performance. It wasn't even so much in the ruck, because from memory, he didn't actually win that many hitouts. It was mm. largely just getting around the ground and taking intercept marks. Uh, he, he was just imposing in contests. Uh, he looked so confident out there. Uh, and it's funny now, you know, we've, we've probably got three really good ruck options, and once Nan Curvis comes back, you may even have four. But, you know, there's almost that tussle for the R2 between Darcy and Marshall, and... and Marshall's just jumped ahead now after that big score, and you know I was one of the lucky punters who had him as a VC loophole, which you know would have easily won the round. I think 10% of people had him as a VC, so it's a, a difference maker when you have a ruck on you know a Thursday, Friday night. And, and to be honest, all I took out of that game, aside from Marshall having that high ceiling, is whoever's playing against Port Adelaide, you probably want to back him in because they're going to get a good score. Mm, exactly. Okay, so next one here, Jack Steele, low score last week, looking after Patrick Cribbs, but, you know, he goes into that Friday night game against Port Adelaide, and he puts up a solid 128 points, so, you know, after his injury, not many would have targeted him him in, so very low ownership, one to consider, I would say. I started the year with Steele, so the injury was heartbreaking, but yeah, he, he's just so reliable, and last week's score was obviously disappointing on return, but he missed so much footy, and the part that worried me was the injuries. He's had, obviously, a history of shoulder problems, and you always think with those that, you know, are they going to stop tackling because it could risk 
causing more problems. But it, that was not what I saw on Friday yeah. night. You know, he, he was imposing around the contest back to the steel of old. If anything, it looks like he's lost a bit of weight and a bit more mobile. So yeah. um, I, I really like him as an upgrade target this week now that he'll lose a bit of price based on last week's performance, but, but now should level out. Yeah, big running program from the Saints in the off-season because, you know, it was slimmed down season for them over summer. And obviously, Ross Lyon wanted to get the running game going. So on to the next one here, and not much ownership I wouldn't have suggested uh, for Lockie Neal. He scores 198 points, and he's starting to get his game going. Yeah, surprising one. I mean, I, I thought he was a little kind of forgotten about at the start of the year, but it, it proved kind of true that he just wasn't a good scorer with Dunkley in there, and I know the 119 is, is really exciting and, and people are going to think maybe Neil is back, but it was against Frio. I don't really take a lot out of that. And the, the Dockers midfield is just isn't great right now and um, you know Neil took advantage of that with a, with a lot of disposals. So, um, you know, great for those who own him, but I still I wouldn't be rushing to get him in um, until we see some consistency with his scores. Next one here, 136 points from Tom Green. Perfect situation for Green. Has a freshen up after being suspended for a week. Comes back in in a highly contested game, and his numbers were through the roof. Yeah, I love him. He, he was another one I was looking at as that F6 when I got Rochelle and was another guy that's still around the 700k mark. And you know, if you just don't have that coin to get to your Cornelios, he's the next best, and, and he's scoring really well this year. You know, the one game where he's essentially blanketed, but. He's scoring a ton of goals. He's finding the footy, and the captaincy seems to have made him a new man. So um, I really like him. Generally, you don't like to target forwards who rely on goals to score, but Toby Green's certainly versatile. And, and again, an 80-plus is good from a forward this year, and, and Green's you know comfortably reaching that. Next one here, Christian Petrarca, 142 points. Melbourne versus North Melbourne was a complete mismatch, and Petrarca just went to town. I think he's put together four consecutive centuries now, so he's, um, you know, he's starting to impose himself as maybe a top eight midfielder. Which, you know, at times I think historically he's had really big games and then disappeared for for eighties, and it's never really felt reliable. But the demons are rocking and rolling, and and again, it's against North, so the one forty two is an outlier. But you can still say the last four he's had good scores, and arguably it could have been five. He was on ninety nine the week prior, so. Um, which would would have made him, you know, six of the seven games he had had a ton. So, yeah, he's just quietly putting together a good little season, would have low ownership as well. So maybe he's one you have a punt on. But uh, the hard part for me is when you own Oliver, you know, it's it's difficult to want to have both. (laughs) So, um, yeah, if you can get him, I think now's the time to strike. Next one here, Harry Sheasel. So 126 points, and most importantly, he stayed in defence and his numbers were strong. And especially, you know, when you consider North Melbourne going to concede some scores in a stack of inside 50s, and if he's staying in that defensive role, uh, he's a top six, whichever it is, forward or defence. Oh, what a relief. What a relief it was to hold Sheasel and see him score that way, considering Hall played and then Zeebel ended up playing the majority of the game after that hamstring scare. So... Clearly, it was a one-off. Um, I think she's all, you know. Unfortunately, there's going to be people that jumped off based on that break-even, but he's um, he's just not a priority transfer. I understand at some point we're going to have to upgrade him to a premium defender or forward, but there's so many other issues to, to work with. I mean, Will Setterfield's another one that's a problem, but. You know, Sheasel clearly, even if he doesn't continue to turn and still pull 70s and 80s, he's worth it for for who he was and how he started with him. I get that there's value added to that and you want to try and capitalise on how much he's made, but 
um, just forget about him for now. Leave him on the field and, and work around your team elsewhere. Yep, completely agree. Is well down on the priority list. So next one here, uh, Nick Newman's 164 points, and he just goes completely nuts against West Coast. So, you know, now it's probably time to work out if that's going to be a lot of free ball across half-back for Nick Newman. Yeah, I don't know about Newman so much as as West Coast. <laughs> I think it's more of a let's look at who West Coast are playing and, and figure out that the halfbacks that you want there are going to get a lot of plus sixes. Uh, Newman, you know, we've known this for years now since he moved from the Swans and even when he played there that he does have the odd big game when he, he racks up a ton of footy and marks it heavily, but it's never been consistent and I, I don't expect this to, to linger either at the Blues, you know. Um, they, they, they'll, you know, revert back to the way that they are and I still think Doherty's probably the guy down back there. Uh, and Saad as well when he's healthy. So, yeah, it's a good score. I, I doubt anyone had him. And if they did, you know, congratulations to you. <laughs> Next one here, Adam Chera. So 137 points with Sam Walsh coming back into that team. There have been adjustments made to that inside midfield uh, rotation, and Chera has brought up a couple of decent scores here. Yeah, the reason I didn't get on him at the, the start of the year was that you were always waiting to see how he went when Walsh came back, and then and almost he's gotten better since then, which is hilarious. So, yeah, back-to-back 130-pluses is massive. He's going to have you know, a really good break-even heading into the next round. Um, what is he at? 18-12. So um, he's probably a little awkwardly priced, but maybe he's someone you look at for Setterfield as a sideways because um, he's going to have a, yeah, a fairly good break-even. And that next player here is uh, Sam Walsh here, 128 points. So, yeah, obviously back surgery uh, late last year, and he's since his return, he's been flying. So uh, not much ownership, I wouldn't think. So he would be one target there as well. No, he's massive. He's he's clearly a, a top-four midfielder right now in form, um, almost a little must-have. And the, the issue is I was kind of hoping he'd come back from his surgery and probably have a couple of low ones to drop a bit in price, but he hasn't done that. He's just rocketed away. So he's going to get harder and harder to get now, which is frustrating. Um, you know, the, the Blues, you know, find plenty of footy in the middle. He's he's certainly, you know, putting together 30 disposal games quite comfortably, but it does get a little trickier from here. You know, Brisbane, the Bulldogs, Collingwood, Sydney, Melbourne. That's a really rough one run for Carlton. I still think Walsh will find the footy quite easily, but it's not going to be like a West Coast where he'll have a lot of the uncontested ball. And interesting, yeah, that he was able to accomplish such a ridiculous score when he actually didn't have a high amount of CBAs either. So next one here, Darcy Parrish, 121 points. So Zach Merrick gets the, the attention early in this game. Uh, and once that game opens up, and Geelong with an early lead in the game as well, uh, once the game opens up, uh, Parrish got to work on his numbers. So I'll score from him. He's had a really good season. Um, he's almost forgotten about you know, his two lowest scores are 94, 96, and everything else has been 100 plus. Mm. He's really quietly putting together a top eight midfield campaign. Um, there'll be a lot of people again that have merit and don't have him. Um, a couple that would have started with him at his price, but he's just continuing to surge, and he's, he's getting harder and harder to get over 900k now. And um, you know, Port Adelaide is a tasty matchup this coming weekend. So, um, unfortunately, I'd probably still say you know Walsh at that price is is more someone you'd want more than Parish purely just because of the Bombers, and I just don't trust them at times. But, um, yeah, he, he looks great. Comfortable game for Tom Stewart uh, next up against the Bombers, and 113 points for him. So, again, very comfortable, uh, just collected the points quite easily in the end in what turned out to be a pretty simple victory for Geelong. 
Yeah, I've really liked him, and they got Cadinia Park this weekend against Adelaide as well. So it's a it's a nice little build for him. I got Stewart back in after his injury, and yeah, he's had a, a ripping run since then. Only the one bad score, seventy against the Hawks, but otherwise he looks like you know the best Tom Stewart that we've seen, um, including that back backline general for Geelong. So. Um, the plus sixes are going to be plenty at 12 marks against the Bombers. So, yep. um, yeah, don't expect 110 every week, but he's certainly going to comfortably get around that 90 mark. Yeah, and John got a stack of games at their home venue to finish out the season there. So that's where the you know the narrow ground, that ball funnels right into him. So that's something that I would be sort of considering at this point in the season. We're not at the halfway mark yet. But, yeah, certainly one I'll be looking at this week. So the next one here, we've got Noah Anderson, 134 points from him. So Tuke Miller goes out with his knee injury. Uh, a stack of midfield usage is available and uh, for inside mids. Braden Fee really doesn't get that role this week, which is quite interesting. But one player that was going to take an opportunity and pretty much uh, put himself up to that number one mid was Noah Anderson, and he had a very strong score. He's basically taken that mantle as the number one mid, and, and that will mean at times he's probably going to get some attention. But um, against a Richmond side that, that does like to leak points in the middle, he's certainly capitalised. And, you know, Melbourne next week, they won't tag him because they won't care. West Coast after that, great run as well. And, and Brisbane at the Gabba will be a tough one. But I think, well, looking at their next five, it, you know, four of those are pretty friendly for him. I think he, he's going to certainly relish in this opportunity. But <laughs> like I talked about with Parrish, he, it may be a little too too little too late. He's 912k now, so he's up, um, there. Yeah. he's up there as one of the yeah the, the high cost premium midfielders. I think what will be attractive there too, Aaron, is his buy because a lot of people would have been targeting Tuke Miller with the uh, buy, uh, but Noah Anderson will certainly be a target due to the buy and obviously coverage over. Uh, you know, we've got a four week buy period this week this year in fantasy, so. Um, in the AFL season, so I just think he, he still might be a target, even though he's at an elevated price. And the last one to finish off for notable uh, fantasy scores for round seven is Jaden Short. So he's come back from a calf concern, so interrupted uh, to start the season, but 123 points is put together a couple of nice scores. Yeah, I, I didn't get the chance to see the game because we we're obviously calling here with Adelaide and Collingwood, but was he playing off halfback again, yep. Pete? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 a great um, sign then because he, because he missed so many games at the start of the year, he missed out on DPP, but he's obviously going to get it now. And, and when he does, there's a premium defender waiting right there. The issue is when do you pull the trigger? When does he become too expensive uh, and you've left it too late? And, you know, he's probably starting to level out now. He lost He's lost 36K overall but made money this week. So he's awkwardly priced as a midfielder, but you kind of want him down back at the end of the year. So maybe he's someone you target in the buys, you know, the two-down, one-up method and, and get him in because, yeah, he has a really high ceiling, Jaden Short. Yeah, plenty of ball across halfback, a few kick-ins there as well, and then uh, a little bit of midfield usage, but, yeah, majority was uh, in defence across halfback. All right, Aaron, so big week this week. Uh, Adelaide, there down at Cadini Park, see if they can rebound, and where can the listeners find you this week? Uh, so you can find me at Aaron Bryans on Twitter. I say Grandstand every Saturday is at 11 as well. I'll be calling Port and Essendon on Sunday, the early game at the Adelaide Oval. It's a big one now. I mean, the Bombers actually look quite good, even though they've fallen over their last couple of games, and Port Adelaide are rocketing towards the top four, so it actually shapes up as this blockbuster matchup to start Sunday. Really looking forward to it, so you can hear me on the ABC Listen app for the call. Yeah, and just a shout-out to you. Uh, obviously, you had a chat to Tim Silvers on Saturday and sourced that uh, Rory lead information, which was quite vital in the end because there were some conflicting reports 
on the Saturday, especially that captain's run, but you're able to source that through Tim, which was fantastic. And obviously, uh, Saturday morning and, and when you get on uh, grandstand, uh, some very good interviews and some very good uh, information. So if you could just uh, provide listeners a little bit of information about that show so they can tune in next time. No, thanks, Pete. And, yeah, I understand um, that not everyone lives in South Australia, so you don't always have the time to hear the show. But if you do have any questions about the SA clubs, you know, we generally speak to either a player or someone higher up in the clubs. We don't really do assistant coaches anymore. So if you want something answered, feel free to hit me up on Twitter before every Saturday and, and I'll make sure I ask it because the, the Rory Laird one was obviously on everyone's mind and there were conflicting reports out of the, the captain's run. A lot of it was speculation and just flat out asked Tim Silvers and he flat out said he was playing and, and I was still a little hesitant. I didn't quite believe him, but, you know, you've got to take them at their word and um, it ended up being correct. So um, if you do want that SA information, um, SA Grandstand is the home of that. So feel free to hit me up if you want to know any more. You can hit me up on Twitter at AFR Ratings, Pete on Twitter, afrratings.com.au, AFR Ratings on Twitter as well and associated Twitter accounts. So plenty of information there to help out your uh, fantasy teams for this week and across the season. So well, until next week, Aaron, enjoy your week of prep and we'll catch you after the end of the round next week. Thanks, Pete.